Welcome, everybody, to Raisin Man Arena. This is our 105th episode, just kind of guessing that. And it's Felipe and I uh, broadcasting from across oh, the wait, world. Wait, well, what is your name? Who's I? Who's, who's the I? Who's it's the I, me, Sam? Sam Lanier. Exactly. Here in sunny Brooklyn, New York. And I'm here in, uh, you know what? Sunny Buenos Aires, Argentina. Wow. Wow. We've on my, on my 27th America's. consecutive day of being here. Yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. Uh, from the tip top to the bottom, um, we, yeah, yeah, pretty much covered the entire <laughs> Americas. What else is there to say? The, uh, Gabby was telling me about this radio show that broadcasts out of London and out of LA. And I guess because of those two time zones, they can pretty much have covered the entire globe like 24 hours um and so we should we've done that except uh we've we're like north to south so it really doesn't yeah. do us any good <clears throat> yeah it's interesting right like we're so far apart but actually the time difference is not very much isn't that uh, but what's the trade-off? <laughs> One of the amazing things about the Earth. It is kind of amazing. Yeah. But it is winter over where you are, which is a little crazy. That's the trade-off. That's the trade-off. That's, that's what's uh, crazy. Seasons are the opposite. Yes. Time yes. is close, but seasons are the opposite. That's right. <clears throat> yeah. But it's actually not winter. It's, but then it's starting to be spring. And you can tell I got, the, I got allergies. You got allergies. Do you have all the things that you associate with like springtime, all the all the mental health stuff that with spring about like excitement for summer, excitement for like to be outside, but you're in but it's fake because you're in the wrong part of the world. And because I'm about to go back to the <laughs> yeah. winter. I'm about to go into the heart into a, a winter harsher than anyone in this in this city even understands. Yes. Yes. I think so. I think so. I think it's part of the reason that I wish I could stay here. Yeah. Well, you just might if we get this television show off the ground. So We're now you want to you want to set our television show in Argentina? Yeah. Yeah. We are Fleet Bader television show, and we were like, "What? Where?" The producer at one point was like, "Where's the cheapest place we could shoot this show?" <laughs> Wow, we're so out of like, just out of like organic decisions to make. Then <laughs> we're going by any metric. Uh, maybe if the show's cheap, we get. <laughs> Can I give us a leg? <laughs> no, there's the and we're battling the the brutal truth, which is that there's no reason that this television show should be made. <laughs> no, no compelling stories Bro, that we have from our personal we should, lives honestly literally this is the answer we gotta stop trying to pitch and we gotta make a web series all right you're right nothing makes sense in a pitch dude nothing you make a you make three four minute episodes the whole thing makes sense the whole thing is figured out why are we trying to pitch who watches a tv show that's a powerpoint presentation about the characters nobody no reason to do that. You make three five-minute episodes, everything is figured out. The dumbest idea makes sense. 
Yeah. We got to abandon yeah. this, this labyrinthine. Pitch process for millionaire pedophiles to understand basically how their how their investment, you know, it's like they're turning turning creativity into derivatives. Yeah, no, it's, you're right. You are you're kind of cutting out for me and glitching, um, which is awesome. Really, my internet's unstable. But fuck, um, fuck, fuck. <laughs> I think I get. I the think you're not. You're I think I'm not glitching out. I'm not glitching out where it matters. But if you're on the Twitch and I'm glitching out, please let me know. Um, yeah, no, I completely agree. One, I mean, if, if you're one of the four viewers on the Twitch and I'm glitching out, please speak up. There are few enough people that the, the, the social cost of speaking up is low. It's a small community. We're going to support you. Don't be afraid to say you're glitching out. That's right. That's right. You basically, it's like walking into a, um, a room where Felipe and I are talking and there's two other people in that room. It's not like you're in like a theater and you're watching us on the stage. You're Fuck, basically I'm lagging. Right next to wait, us. wait, hold on, hold on. I'm lagging. I'm lagging. I got to figure out a solution to this problem. Okay. I know what the solution is, unfortunately. No, I'm not lagging, am I? I'm hearing myself now and it's good. A little bit of glitch. Okay, you know what I'm going to do? All right, give me just a vamp, just a vamp a little bit, Sam. Okay. Um, yeah, we've been trying to pitch this show for a while now, and there isn't really a reason to make like a show about four white people in the age group that we are. Don't say that, Sam. Don't say that, Sam. We have <laughs> valuable stories to tell, please. In, I mean, what we just have is like funny little ideas, but but it's hard to have those like communicate broadly in like a pitch session or a pitch deck it's really like oh these are these funny little episode ideas and it's they're about little small things and i i was laughing with will the other day thinking like if you really like simple town like there isn't like a thing that that would how would you describe like going to see one of our shows you're not like oh my god these people like have this really specific thing that they do. They're just like you have to see the th you have to see us perform in order to get what's cool about us. There's nothing. No, that's why this like badly. idea forward thing is fucking us. Because it's like, what's the concept? What's the point of view? That's how a mentally ill person speaks. It's not a point of view. It's jokes. And if you make it, all right. I am glitching, I am glitching. Hold on, I'm about to fix it. I'm about to fix it. <clears throat> okay, can people hear me a little better now? People will certainly be able to hear me a little better now. Great. Except the quality of the microphone is going to be less. Cool. So how much did people get? Just sort of say back to me everything I said, and then I'll know what I should repeat. This is awesome. This is an awesome <laughs> way to do a podcast. <laughs> the first uh, 10 minutes of this podcast have been fire. Yeah. For the people who are just listening like to the episode 
they're not watching the stream and just post. It's just like basically a half conversation that started. <laughs> like half listening and to. The, yeah, it's you're listening to a bad conversation. <laughs> someone not listening to someone else Ooh. dealing with the computer problem. You know, I, so I'm gonna get back to this to this question of um to this question of the pitch, but I just wanted to say that. Uh, I dropped out for two seconds. Oh, we, you've heard everything. You dropped out for like two seconds. All right. Well, whatever. Um, this is what I wanted to say. When I'm talking, you know how when you're acting, you have to like fully inhabit the reality that you're simply speaking to another person? Yes. Right? Unless you're speaking to like a goblin or something like that. Right. But then you inhabit the reality that you're speaking to a goblin. Right. But as or opposed like an elf. As yeah. A, yeah, or an elf, or like a troll, or something like that. <laughs> you know, or an alien. I mean, just it just depends on the play that you're in. But that's right. That, as opposed to speaking in front of an audience, right? If you yeah. once you uh, take on the gaze of the viewer, you lose that awareness that you're speaking to another person, and then your performance becomes wooden, right? Yes. I find that, like, I that happens to me on Raisin. Like, I'm like, if, I wish I could just be speaking to you. Do you feel like you're speaking to me when we're doing this? Yeah, I do. Fuck. I do. That's what I got to get to. I don't feel like I'm speaking to anybody else. <laughs> you don't feel like you're speaking for an audience, though? <laughs> to, to, to Will or to my mom or it's you every time. But you don't feel <laughs> But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. No, I do. But I also like, I, I have little tricks to get into that mental headspace, which I don't think you afford yourself because you also have to produce the show. Uh, but like, like for instance, like, tricks. like I do, I hide myself view. I don't like looking at my own uh, face. I'm not looking at the chat right now. I see. Um, things like that. Those are I, that's Those the are thing about me taking sure. off the head the headphones when I was talking to Edie and Sarah. It's oh. all about like being present with the conversation. I see. Man, how does Mark Marin do it? I don't know. <laughs> he he went to yeah. He he probably has a million people producing that show. Really? At the Cat Ranch? It feels so homemade. You think so? I don't know. That's he's like a tech the, guy who like loves microphones and stuff. That's the impression he gives off. I don't know. Maybe he, I mean, he probably does have a producer at this point. He must. With Obama, you think he just rigged all that shit up by himself? <laughs> Imagine we have Obama at our house and I'm like, Obama, just vamp. Just vamp, just dude. Just vamp I gotta... for a second. Hold on. I'm glitching. <laughs> I'm, the, <laughs> I'm like, Obama, I got to stop you. They're telling me I'm glitching. I'm glitching. <laughs> Uh, okay. Me and Michelle, we would uh, we'd go to the movie theater a lot <laughs> when we were younger. He's we like, saw uh, Do the okay. Right Thing in the movie theater. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, bro. Okay. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I just think that this, like, pitch thing is fucking us. Yeah. I, I, think, I think maybe we're just not... I don't know. I hate pitching. I hate pitching. I'm going to say it. It makes no sense. It's like, it's like, 
it makes sense as a selling tool, but it is not a good creative tool. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a thing you kind of have to learn. You, you may be right. I agree there's things that don't make sense, but like maybe they we haven't been doing it for long enough for for the things to reveal themselves to us that so it seems like like we're looking at the outside of a of a of a box rather than on the inside of it. So it seems mysterious, but I think if you do it enough times, you can kind of adopt like the lingo and get get the sort of logic behind it. But yeah, so it's much- a definitely different skill than than um making like making anything which is you know like making comedy which is a completely different like brain you have to be in yeah i just i just don't know like when 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 the uh when the switch happens um on your 30th birthday (laughs) (laughs) oh boy bro my sister told me that my saturn returns is ending in february Whoa, that means you're going to be like happy. I'm going to be jovial. normal, yeah. I'm going to stop being weird. Wow, thank God. You're not going to be weird and sad and horny all the time. And, yeah. You know. I'll be a little horny because that's, you know, you have to be Hopefully, a bit, yeah. A little yeah. horny makes you happy for sure. Excited about the world. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's It was funny. We had this experience. And, and if we... we you can tell me if we should talk about something else um, after this, but I was, we, we sent this like, cause we're simultaneously trying to make this movie and we sent it to some people and then they were, we sent the plot outline to some people and they basically, they looked at the plot outline and they emailed us back and they were like, this is fine. But like, why would we want to watch this movie? Like what, give us a little more hook. Like what, what's cool and interesting about this movie? Like, why would I want to see it if I don't know Simple Town? And it was funny because it's like, it's essentially like what I felt was that I was like a chef and I handed someone like a recipe or like the outline of a recipe for a meal they they could have or they could order. And then the person would like, looked at the recipe and was like, well, why would I want to eat this? Like, tell me why I'd want to eat it. And as a chef, if you have chef brain on, you're like, because it's That's delicious. A crazy question. Just because listen. It's delicious. Right. And and like the answers in the the thing I just gave to you, that it describes all the elements of the meal. Like, why why would you want to eat it? Well, like it's because you like these things and it sounds right. good reading this this uh, recipe. But what they want is something else. They want you to be like. Like, like, like it's a cake shaped like a boob. <laughs> or it's like ice cream that tastes like poop. That's what they want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's true. Yeah, I was going to say it's like they want like a poetic description of like, oh, you're hungry and you sit down at the table and like your best friend is next to you and you're about to have the meal of your life and you've just like, you've just gone to you just had a long day at work, but and you're so hungry. And you and th- and it's like, as a chef, you're not thinking about those elements. You're thinking about what makes the meal delicious. But the person on the other end is like, they want an entire context for and poetic description of why why they'd want to have this meal. Bro. Whereas as a chef, you already assume that they want it because they're hungry. 
we should just say it's about like millennials and we filter it through horror. It's like all the stuff that millennials like, like working from home and podcasts, but it's about horror. <laughs> and you say that it's out the door. It's true. That's what it's they true. want you to say. It's a trick question. They're they're trying to blink Morse code to you, and they're just like, tell us it's about millennials, but horror. Yeah. That's it's what like, they want you to say, dude. It's TikTok meets be real in a dark alley. <laughs> uh, that's what they want you to say, man. Um, no, but uh, it's true. I mean, we were talking about this. You remember a couple episodes back, I was like, there's this question of like whyness art that you think about it, it makes no sense. But it's like, uh, you know, it's a thing that people say about stand-ups, like, make me care. Like, why am I watching you? Or it's a thing that, like, uh, Lena and her dance practice is, like, talking about when she goes to see dance shows. She's like, why are these people on stage dancing? And it's like, it's a sort of aesthetic question you have to answer. Like, you have to give your your work a sense of purposefulness. But actually, it's it's an irrational question because, like, uh, because simply making art is, like, a totally... point. It's actually, like, a pointless thing to do. So, so the why is kind of this provisional... It's sort of like a make-believe question. There's no real why, but you have to invent a, a, a thing that, like, looks like a... Looks like a why. It's a, it's a synthetic add-on. But I'm telling you, dude, that's what they want. Yeah. Okay. Well, we ha- we'll have to figure out a why. We'll have to figure out a why. It, can you summarize that thing you were saying about uh, the ion pack? <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like it's a good... I Wait, feel like what? it's a good... Oh, you're serious? It, I thought you were trolling me. No, I'm serious. I think it's a good segue because, or, or like a good link to what we're talking about because like essentially those, what I was feeling is like those guys are misidentifying what's cool about what they do. And, and it's funny to watch that happen in real time as you listen to the podcast or like, or see the fallout of like this this movie that they produced and then them kind of like disowning the politics. That's like part of their scene, which is what makes it kind of interesting and attention grabbing. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, let me just think about what it was. It was like, I'll set you up. I'll set you up. I'm in Argentina. I'm so far away from those concerns. (laughs) I'm I'm like, I'm like living. It's winter where you are. It's winter yes. where I am, and it's and like we're thinking about much more like basic living things, like how am I going to make it to the end of the month? Like my family. How can you pay for a micro microwave <laughs> and installments? <laughs> Bro, but also like my grandmother lives down the street, and I live in a multi generational home. You know, the Ion Pack feels like a far away. Yeah. No. Um. So yeah, basically it was like, you know, they they get this podcast, they they blow up, and then that like that crumbs things happens where he calls them fascist and they're like, uh, and, and then that article blows up where he's calling them fascists basically. And then in the sort of, in the, in the aftermath, they're like, well, they like, they make this podcast where they seemed like puzzled, like genuinely puzzled about what that means. What does that even mean? (laughs) Yeah. Fascist. Like, Like, bro, that's, that's, 
That's a seriously insane heat. It's fire. Like, stop making everything political. That's what that podcast sounds like. Don't make fun of me. I'm not trying to beef. I'm not trying to beef. I don't care. Who cares? I'm in Argentina. None of that, none of those politics matter to me anymore. I don't care about any of that. Um, Yeah, they seem like genuinely puzzled about why he's calling them fascist or like, they, not only that, but they seem uh, kind of like deflated by the whole thing. I I guess because they got a lot of hate online, which I I bet sucks. I wouldn't ever want to get hate online. Totally. Um, Totally. And I can, I can empathize with someone who's suffering through that, uh, no matter what, you know, what, what their politics. No matter what they did. Yeah, exactly. No matter what they did, getting hit online is the worst thing that can happen to you. It's a a punishment too painful for anyone to suffer. I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. Uh, (laughs) But uh, what the fuck was I saying? Not only do they seem puzzled by the term fascist, but they seem like... They actually categorically seem opposed to the idea that them, and by extension they're seen, has any politics at all. Um, At least they say of themselves, like, we're not political. And I guess they're defining it in the narrow sense that they don't talk about politics. Yes. And all the art that they like to talk about, they explicitly try and talk about it without what they understand as, like, a political lens. They're like, why do you always have to make the movies that we like and the the music that we like to listen to, like political, it's not political. It's just people trying to make insane heat art. Sure. 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 Um, which is a, yeah. What's up? What's up? No, say it, say it. Or I guess, no, I'm, I'm, I'm more trying to like, uh, replay a conversation that we had as it happened in real time, but I was listening to this podcast episode after the, the crumbs fallout where they're, where they seem genuinely perplexed and they seem to have taken like this anti-political, this, this, this bend where they're like, we're not going to talk about politics at all ever. We're just going to talk about the art that we like and the music that we like. And this will be like a salvation, a safe place for us to just like talk about the things we like to talk about. But what's, Annoying for me is that like thinking about the ideology and the politics of a piece of art is what's fun about thinking about art or it's a lens through which you can analyze art because art politics is just like a word for like what and what and a piece of art's like belief systems are and like the argument. Yes. And like the context of, of what it's made and how it's made and stuff like that. And that's all interesting to think about. So if you like forego all that stuff, then you have this really boring, almost non-analysis of the artwork and you become essentially like a press apparatus or like a mouthpiece for just like blasting out into the universe the things you like and being like, well, this is good and this thing's good too and I like this other right, but thing. But you can't draw a line between them because you you have no 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 concept of of what the argument is in common. And in fact, the the sort of contradiction is that like what's frustrating is like I don't know if they truly don't think that that their scene is right wing. I'm like, it's obvious, right? Like everybody knows. It's 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 fully explicit. It's and in fact, I I can't tell if they're being like dishonest simply because um 
like the people that they have on talk about politics explicitly. Um, and the whole context of the Crumps thing had like people who are political. And so I'm like, number one, I can't tell if they're being honest uh, mm-hmm. or if they're being sort of ignorant. And I'm not like, uh, that's like not even pejorative. I'm like, maybe just the, a part of me is like, it feels like you didn't take like a like a liberal arts college class. You're not. Yeah. Like this seems obvious. I, maybe you just don't know. But then I'm also like the fact that the scene is right wing is the interesting thing about it. It's not. It's yes. Not, it's not any formal elements. The interesting thing is the argument that it's going against like Germany. Like that's what's interesting about it. And you either own it or you don't. And then that's that's the sort of next. That's level three, which is that. I think that they're stuck in this place where they can't say it. Um, and I think this is true of like that whole scene, which is right wing, but they don't like to say it. Um, they can't yes. say it, which is why they there's terms like post left or like they can't say that they're conservative. I even remember like as an example, like Anna Kachian posted something. I can't remember what she posted. And then underneath the post, it was some kind of thing with like a conservative ideological position. And then someone underneath the post wrote, you're conservative. And I thought that was funny because I was like, the reason that they say that is because it's like an insult or it's somehow like not recognized or there's some sort of like double entendre where the people in that scene don't say that they're conservative, but they kind of wink and it's understood that they are. And I don't know if that's if that's like a sign of this like liberal hegemony where like you can't admit that you're conservative, you have to like, you have to sort of like couch it in other language, or if it's like a troll impulse where actually the joke of being that kind of a conservative is that you never say that you are. And so then you like keep your troll position as opposed to like taking a stake in what you believe in. And so I, I, I'm kind of getting lost. Please like organize my thoughts though, because I think I'm not being super clear. No, no, I think you are being clear. I I think what like the simplest way to put it is like what's interesting about the Dime Square scene is its politics. And it's ironic that the people and the players within it like avow a kind of anti-politics, which is, of course, is itself a conservative stance. But like to see what listen to these guys on this podcast, like say like, oh, we don't want to talk about politics anymore. We just want to talk about the like lcd sound system like redux bands that we like of of now and have those people on it's funny because it becomes a boring podcast and they like negate or like take out precisely what's interesting about the entire project of the dime square scene which is like this like conservative politics that's like popping up where it's popping up in, in right, New right. York City and that like in downtown New York. Um, and then it's captured like the imagination of so many millennials and that this whole Peter Thiel thing that it's like there might be whispers of how it's like funded in this like s- like scary way at a national level by like billionaire, you know, right wing freaks is interesting. That's the story. Like, that's the cool thing, the weird, cool thing that's happening. And that's why everyone talks about the Peter Thiel thing, because absent the politics, what you have is just a bunch of mid art. 
Yeah, and 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 truthfully, like all art is mid. You know, it's like all right. all art is just a bunch of like. What makes it interesting is the thread that you draw and that you sit situated in a context, and you're like, isn't it interesting that all this art is part of this like historically situated like reaction to something? And yes, and it's tough, I guess, because you can't politics because we're treating politics like it's an aesthetic element of an artwork, right? Like, oh, you can your work can. We can discuss the politics of a work without making a claim about like its moral value, right? That's sort of what you're suggesting. You're like, it's what's interesting about artwork. But then what someone could say to you is like, well, no, but it's like what's dangerous about a right-wing art, or it's what's dangerous, or it's what's like, it, it sort of like affirms the moral value or the moral usefulness of something. And so you're making like a right-wing artwork. Then it be, you open it up to set like, critique or censor censorship or whatever and i think maybe that's the reason that they can't like openly say it um and uh where am i going with this that like wait say 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 that again but maybe a little more simply because i lost it art politics is an aesthetic choice well for that's us. the way we're talking about it right like you're saying like oh they're missing what's interesting what's interesting is the politics because you analyze the politics it's and I said, yeah, it's like one of the tools of art. The politics of mm. artwork is its argument. But we are like aestheticizing it. It's like the politics are simply like the thing that you enjoy about an artwork. And the, the problem in our context, in our cultural context, whatever that is, the American cultural context, the millennial cultural context, that the politics are also like a moral argument, right? So if you make... So if you make like conservative art, it's not just simply an interesting part of the artwork that's like open to analysis and discussion. It's also like potentially it's bad. Like, it's wrong. It's bad and wrong. And you open it up to censorship. You open it up to um, margin, a certain kind of marginalization in the art world, et cetera. So maybe that's why they can't like opt to it. They can't say like, yeah, you know what? The scene is right wing. Like that's what's fucking interesting about it. They have to be like, no, no, it's no politics. It's just about art, man. Um, even though it is right wing, because they understand that like there's like a danger there because the the liberal hegemony is still in place, and if you say it's right wing, suddenly you can't get into film festivals or whatever. Um, but where am I going with that? So, that, but that's the, so that's the complication. Maybe we're actually being apolitical by just being like, just admit it. Like it's all good. It's fun. It's interesting. Because someone would be like, no, it's actually bad. Once you admit it, it's bad. And it's bad to think of politics simply as like a fun thing to analyze. It's also like its moral worth, its moral value, its like effect on the world. Does that make sense? Totally. Except I don't think it's like I wouldn't say it's like a per purely aesthetic thing to analyze for me like i don't see conservative artwork and go oh that's I, that's a nice piece of conservative artwork and i like it and it's funny <laughs> and i can kind of like divorce myself like i too have feel up like feelings and beliefs about how the world should be and ought to be and i when i see conservative work i think i can be like oh there's things that might be interesting about this artwork but i like disagree with it um and often when I don't like a piece of artwork, I think that it's like its argument or the belief that it's putting out into the world is like stupid or bad or childish. Um, so I don't... But you still engage with I don't it have that still divorce. Like, and you still like... I think you and me maybe have like a, a more flexible 
maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I don't know if this is wrong, but like we have kind of a, a flexible idea of like what kinds of things we engage with. And we could, we could press the switch on the Stanford, <laughs> Stanford <laughs> <Phoenix> experiment. <laughs> if we got, the, if we got the mirror sunglasses, <laughs> we'd become a whole different types no. of guys. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I, I, it's not, it's, I don't see conservative artwork and be, and, and like sort of shrug my shoulders at it. Um, but I'm, I also don't see conserv like, I don't see what the people in the downtown scene do and go like, those people should be like taken to yeah, some island or something up, like put that. Put up against the firing school. Right. Or canceled or something like that. I kind of like, if I don't like something, I just sort of don't pay attention to it. Um, so, I guess that would be like my response, but I don't think the politics of an artwork is like this purely aesthetic thing to, that's like fun to to analyze alone, and it doesn't like hit me in a like in my own like moral belief system. Sure, so then, so then you agree with me then that there are stakes to like being straight up about the politics of your scene, and that there's a good reason why someone might be like, no, there's no politics here. It's just fun. Yeah, I guess so. I guess maybe maybe the whole balloon would pop if those guys were like, "Yeah, we're conservative. We make conservative art." Or we cop. Um, we like. We we like, you know, what is it? Run defense for or like, like. Uh, we're the press apparatus for like a conservative yeah, art world. You think the balloon would? Pop. That's kind of what I'm saying. There's like a kayfabe. Right. That you have to like maintain and in that way they're like it's a little bit like joe rogan you know who like maintains this kind of neutrality even though like the like the man i'm 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 losing my english spanish all day the, uh, the, the, just say it in spanish <laughs> joe rogan um <laughs> joe rogan the, <laughs> uh most of his guests are like this particular brand of conservative but he like pre pre uh, preserves his neutrality by like playing dumb, right? So there's like a kayfabe. He's like, you know, I'm just asking questions, but it's like clear what kinds of questions he's asking. Yeah, yeah. Donde esta uh, la biblioteca? And stuff like that. <laughs> That's right. Um, so wait, so why did you bring this whole thing up? What was the what was the opener? Well, question? I I bring it back because it's relevant to our conversation about pitching. Which is that like, which is that <clears throat> it's not enough to just be for people that make f funny comedy in order to get a television show. When you're pitching, when you're in the TV market and pitching for that market and those executives or whatever, you need to wrap what's funny about you in something else that's like about. This you know these sketches are about the current moment, or they're they appeal to the Zoomer generation. They uh, a reason to make this television show over another television show that would also be like four funny people who are doing silly little sketches. Like essentially, what the Ion Pack has going for it is like people are fascinated and terrified by it. it's like conservative reactionary politics but that's what gets it attention and like we don't have that 
what's our thing that's that? I don't want it to be that we make conservative art, but like, what's the reason why someone would give us the show or give us, allow us to make the movie? We need to generate what that is because on its own, it's like no one, no one will say yes to your idea that's like uh, always sunny in Philadelphia, but like, it's for new people and it's, it's being four made different to, guys. for different people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I know. I mean, I, I don't fucking know, dude. Fucking no. That's why I came to Argentina for a month. So I wouldn't have to think about it. Um, I mean, I think it's funny and you know, <laughs> maybe I'm, I'm, I'm being too spicy, but like I'll name Alex's, you know, work with, I showed him a, like drawing a pitch to a cartoon and he was like, no, this isn't it. It's too weird. It doesn't make sense. The drawings are suck. And it's just whatever. And then I fucking Damn. made the I made the short. I made the short. And he saw it at a screening. And he was with a bunch of people. And they were all laughing. And then he goes, Hey bro, that idea is kind of cool. I like it. I like it now. Let's pitch it. What what changed? Is that he saw he saw the rhythm. Like he saw it. He saw the idea come to life. And like I think that's true about like I don't know. I'm I'm certain that there's different ways of getting an idea to be good. I'm certain that there is like the concept first way. This is about what if goblins were leftists? Like, sure. Like, I'm sure that is a way to sell something. But I think artworks are made up of of a much finer, more abstract substance, which is like rhythm and vibe and like energy. And that's what the artist makes. And the idea is like yes. part of it, but like the rhythm and the vibe and the energy, that's the thing. And so what, what, what Alex saw was the rhythm and the vibe of my thing. And literally it's like a rhythm, like the silences and the voices yes. and the whatever. And he liked that. And then the idea can, can actually be paper thin. It's just enough of a thing that you're like, okay, I kind of know what And so that's why I'm like, maybe we should drop this idea first kind of thing because keep being like, we made Scary Car. Scary Car was so cool. How, how do we make Scary Car into a show? And I'm just like, let's literally just make three things, three like of a little series. And then the idea thing vanishes. It's like, oh, I don't need the idea. I see it right there. Um, like it's, it's clear to me and you figure out all the specifics in the making. of. It. I'm wondering if maybe we should like do it that way. Because we keep, we're like orbiting around basically we just want it to be us and our sense of humor. Or like, how can we like convince, how can we tell you, how can we lie to you so that you think you're buying something about millennials when really you're just buying something about us and our sense of humor? Except we can't tell you anything about us and our sense of humor because when you look at a pitch deck, there's nothing in there about us and our sense of humor. It's all about this idea. Like maybe if we just make the thing, you see the sense of humor and then you're like, I buy it, side on scene. Like, Give me a paper thin concept or roommates who whatever. It literally doesn't matter because the rhythm is there and the like juice is there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it'll work. We, again, we've returned to that as like a thing to, to pitch and it. And then it always like, we always get like pulled into the direction of trying to give it a hook. Um, I think if we made three short series, we'd come out of that exercise knowing something. Maybe it would be that we didn't want to make that thing, but I think, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I I honestly like, again, 
this is a, a kind of untested theory, but it's like I don't even think making something <laughs> like really guarantees or or even describes to people like what that thing is. Um, we made Scary Car, and again, we haven't like pitched it far and wide yet, but like that's like a fourteen minute proof of concept, and I think still people are like, "Well, we'd love to make this into a movie, but like, what?" We don't. We still don't get it. You still need to like wrap a a hook or an idea about around this. And I fear the same thing would happen if we made three short episodes. I fear the the same thing is going to happen with DAP when I try and pitch it. It's like you can have tw- I could have twelve four minute videos of something, and an executive would be like, "Well, these are funny, but I don't get it." You know, like they don't. It's it's. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think the real reason is, I mean, someone said this to me where where it's like, they can get it. I think the people who look at our work get it. But what they want is to be able to turn around and talk to someone who we don't know is there. We don't know them. And they're a, a higher executive. And they have to turn around and be like, why... Like, give us a million dollars, give me a million dollars so I can make a show with these people. And their job, like, rides on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, they want it to be bulletproof. And essentially, I think, in my head, that frustrates me a little bit because I'm like, well, why, why are we doing your job for you? Like, let's just make the funny thing and it's your job to, like, turn it around and try and sell it to your boss and explain, do give him all or her all the magic you need like all the magic, say all the magic words about TikTok and millennials and Zoomers and stuff like that, that will like lull them into a bovine state of security. That, <laughs> so they'll give you a million stare. dollars. <laughs> yeah. 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 Whatever words you need to whisper, just tell them, but that's your job. I don't, why do I have to do your job for you by like giving you the like template or the playbook of how to talk about this thing? You should figure out how to talk about it. It's my job to like mi- worry about rhythm and and like those pauses and all, all that stuff that it's our job to worry about because we're we the we're the ones who make the thing. Right. Yeah. No, I mean it's true that they're different jobs. The art, the job of the artist, and the job of the salesperson. And yeah. it's like complicated that now we're trying to sell a thing, and what we do is make stuff, and they're different skills. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the... I don't know. I would just... I just think it's cool to just make something. Because... Because it's fun. And because I think... I don't know. Maybe it would just be good to switch it up. I feel like we're just circling the drain on this. Thing, you know? And... I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> But again, it's like it's not something that we've. I don't. I don't know if the sales thing is a thing we get have much practice doing. So it's like it feels like it sucks at first, but then maybe you get into it. I don't know. Yeah, let's try two more years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> let's try it for two more years and see how how that affects group morale. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Where we end true. up in our friendships and mm-hmm. <laughs> in our relationships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two more years of Zoom calls. 
Um, what is what's cool that's going on in New York? What am I missing out on? I'm um, asking you, Sam. I'm not asking for the chat. I'm asking. What is cool? Um, we saw, I saw Matt Baratz's documentary that How he made. It? It's good. It's really funny. The cow. It's called Cow Something. Cash Cow. Cash Cow. Yeah. I wanted to that go, was... but I'm here. He invited me by email, but I am here. You're here. Yeah. Argentina. Yeah. Well, one of the drawbacks of being in Argentina. Um, but you'll catch it when they when they uh, screen it in Buenos Aires at the <laughs> National Opera House. <laughs> Matt, bring it to Buenos Aires. There's this guy named Nick Leon who's a DJ who's playing on Saturday. And I Where? really wanted to take you to it. I'm no. not sure. I can't remember. Because he played at Sustain and... I was like, this guy, Felipe would really like this. Why? What do he play? He plays a lot of like, uh, it's Gabby described it as like big house Miami, but it's like a lot of like Dembo music, but like mixed in with like other pop songs, a lot of like references to um, pop songs we all know and love, but then it has these like, these uh like dembo beats beneath them and then and then it'll switch into like a a kind of fast like techno um section i don't know i don't know how to describe music i don't know anything about music but it's just fun it's like latin yeah it's like latin essentially um and fun and and fun to dance to the other day i was talking to my cousin here in argentina and i was trying to tell her that in Argentina, it was the first time that I was at a club where I heard uh, Brazilian funk or baila funk. Well, this is the problem. I was like, how do they... Pr- I had not had not heard this music pronounced here. And what would we call it, right? I would call it funk. Brazilian funk. You call it baila mm-hmm. funk. But I was like, okay, do they call it funk or funk? Because sometimes in Argentina, when something has a U, they just use an A sound. Funk. So, funk. So punk, punk music, they call it funk. So funk. <laughs> Thank. So I'm like, so I'm so I'm going into this conversation. I'm about to pronounce something I've never heard pronounced, and I'm like, I'm gonna try it out. And you call it baila funk. I have don't know if I've ever heard it be called that. Um, so I was like, so I would just I shot I shot my shot. I was like, oh, they were playing funk music. And then she goes, ah, funky. <laughs> <laughs> ah, funky. <laughs> I was like, okay. that wasn't even an option. Funky. Funky. Uh, okay, vamos a la playa. <laughs> <laughs> my Funky. Funky. That's cute. That's what they call it, I guess. Funky. But it looked like an absolute. Yeah. Um, well, dude. I'll be back. I'll be back on Monday. So, bro, and I'm not getting that hard drive. I I don't think it's gonna be in my hands before. I leave. No. no. <laughs> oh my uh, god. Uh, yeah. What a shame. It'll never get back to you. Wow. Are no, are there that. important stuff on it? Bro, everything. Life, like all my projects. No, no, it'll it'll get back in my hands. Just not before I leave. I don't think. Not shipping. Yeah. You're not paying that guy enough money to go to the place and pick it up for you? Dude, I don't know what kind of money we gotta pay that motherfucker to track the <laughs> hard drive. 
you should you you got to do like a Breaking Bad style heist <laughs> where you put a big magnet in a truck. Dude, you ever see? There's this Russian movie called Leviathan, and it's about this man who's like basically crushed, slowly crushed by oh the by like bureaucracy. State. Yeah, that's what I feel like. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just, I'm getting the annoying thing about you get texts sometimes randomly on your computer. Some yeah, you just got some texts. <clears throat> what are they about? Uh, there it's about pitching actually. So, yeah, relevant to our conversation. But. And I'm not looking forward to going back. I wish I could stay here and not have to think about that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe you're right. Maybe we should just put all this pitching stuff on hold. Not on hold, just like change the strategy. We've been doing this, it's going to be a year that we've been working on. Ian, Ian, we were talking with Ian about this last night, and he had this like, he was like, you should, we should just make like a Kickstarter video, like what he did for Bobby Brown, or like what happened to Bobby. To Bobby, Bobby Brown, <laughs> 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 Millie Bobby Brown. Right. Um, he he was like, instead of us making like a doc we should just make a video and people will actually like watch that make it 10 minutes yeah. and it's like where you present the idea and kind of show images and like just say it out loud and, and yeah like make a video essentially like a kickstarter video and send that to people so you don't have to like make this document where like people read it and they interpret their own things about it right right <sighs> I don't know. I was like, yeah, maybe we should try that. I think we do have a cool group. I'm going to I'm gonna come out and say it on the podcast. I think we have a cool group, but it doesn't read on a fucking piece of paper. How do you say the things? So, okay. Are you responding to someone in the chat? No. No, I'm telling okay. you, I think we have a cool group that does a cool thing, but it's hard yeah. to communicate that uh on a piece of paper and i just like i think about all the like finagling we do with language you know it's like you're writing a character description and it's like i want to communicate that this character is like silly but smart and also neurotic and it's like what the fuck does that mean like putting different words it just feels like air but if you but you know it's like we know in our hearts like what that is mm-hmm. and trying to like mm-hmm. make the words to like incept in somebody's mind like you're imagining and it's like i could show it to you yeah we got so few viewers right now how come you guys aren't liking this (laughs) stop man don't talk to them (laughs) talk to me talk to me (laughs) i'm trying to think of anything interesting that's happened here um Oh, dude, I saw a really cool play. Really? Yeah, I, so, I wish you could have seen it, and I wish you spoke Spanish that, and understood the Argentine context. Well, I'm taking Babel lessons, so I kind of <laughs> speak Spanish. It was called Terrenal, <laughs> and it was like... Um, oh, was uh, yes. Velcro, the Velcro. <laughs> <laughs> Terrenal means like, uh, uh, like relating to land or like... Um, a terreno is like a plot of land. 
and it was it had a kind of waiting for Godot vibe where it was, it was like these three characters wearing bowler hats in kind of a nondescript environment, speaking in this poetic register. Um, okay. Yep. But it yep. was it was like the story. It was supposed to be the story of Cain and Abel, and it's these two characters, and one is like obsessed with like delimiting it begins with these two characters on stage and they're two like gauchos they're like people of the land in argentina and they live next to each other and one of them is like the worker bee he's like obsessed with delimiting the the like borders of his plot of land um and working really hard and he and he uh he plants um uh, like bell peppers, and he's constantly talking about the bell peppers he's planting. And the other one is sort mm. of the like the guy who, who fritters life away. He he sells um I don't know flitter, I don't know what the fuck the word is, but he sells um like bait for fish for like fishing on the side of the road, and he like enjoys life. So you have this kind of classic like two philosophies bumping up against each other. But the performance style was the sort of like clown. It was the the. The language is this like gaucho poetic language, so they're like constantly rhyming and saying similar words that have different meanings. It, it's very like has a, a poeticism to it. And then the performance is like everyone has a really funny, strange way of talking, like weird melodic way of talking that is is kind of like drawn from like kind of Argentine sort of like stock characters a little bit. Um, and there's a lot of like, for instance, like. The character who's really obsessed with like his plot of land every time he crosses the stage he like mimes as if there were uh a barrier like he sort of pretends crossing a barrier but there's no barrier there he just mimes it and then the other character the one who's like lazy and stuff when he crosses the stage he doesn't mime it and so there's all these jokes about like where the the, the hard-working character looks at the audience and and goes like he didn't he didn't like walk over the the barrier the barrier that I set up because there's no barrier there, but so it was like all barrier, <laughs> exactly. <Barriarito. laughs> um, yeah. it was, it was wow. really funny and cool. And then there's like a murder, and there's this sort of like meditation on on uh, on these two philosophies. I guess it ends up being about like Argentine, like the Argentine political. No, yes, they they make it about the Argentine yes. political context at the end. That's the twist. Damn. Damn. <laughs> wow. That sounds cool. I always love the game of a person miming something or like ag agreeing to something in the make believe that another person then like doesn't, another performer doesn't agree to. I think that's always like a, f it's a funny joke if you do it right. Yes. Um, and in this case, it was thematically resonant. Right. Right thematically resonant linked to the politics yeah so that's um, something i did it, last weekend that's cool what and what did it say about the argentinian poli political context you know is it was it was it a contemporary play yeah i think it is a contemporary play it's a good question i i was with two people and they sort of were like alluding to it after we saw the show Talking about it, and I was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't have enough language to put it into." In but, Spanish, 
you no, don't have enough no, language no, I, or I the guess, Spanish language doesn't have enough words? No, what I mean to say actually is I don't have enough context put into words. Like I intuited that there was a sort of Argentinianness about it or that it like resonates with some Argentine concern mm-hmm. over like but I couldn't like really put it into words. I think there's this ideology that Argentinians have, which is that the reason that they're that they're a doomed country is it has something to do with like uh, Latin idiosyncrasy, and that like Anglo-Saxons have like a sort of um, sense of institutionality and work and responsibility and civic duty that the like Latin cultural idiot not that's like yeah a recurring... i could have told you that yeah i could have told you that <laughs> I'm, I'm just finding out now dude <laughs> but i think that's like a recurring neuroses that the argentine has that they use as an explanation to why the country is not like a great economic powerhouse um, hmm. it's this thing that like people don't follow the rules don't care about the rules and in fact argentinians believe that like People who break the rules are celebrated. And there's this, there's even like scholarship about how, like, in Argentine literature, the person who doesn't follow the rules is the hero. Um, I, I don't totally buy it. I think outlaws are heroes in, in American literature as well. Um, and the outlaw is like a figure across cultures. I'm not like, I don't love the like cultural idiosyncrasy theory, but I think that's sort of what it like. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> We're probably America's probably an economic powerhouse because of the massive amount of land and the history of slavery. <laughs> That's what I was saying to my friend. I was saying to my friend, I was like, look, they got more land and they had and they like colonized the world. And my friend was like, we got a lot of land, too. And then I was like, I don't know how to argue with that. I feel like not not as much. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's how you do it, bro. <laughs> that was, that'd be the silver bullet pierced through the armor of his argument. Not as much. You look at Adam on a map, you put them next to each other. It's not as much land. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, well, do you... I mean, I have... The th- I do believe in like this thing about the Protestant work ethic, but uh, I think that's that's ultimately immaterial compared to the material arguments for why certain countries are more well off than others. But um, yeah, I remember someone describing to me <clears throat> why Southern Italy is like all crazy and and uh, like non-industrial the the sort of cliches about southern versus northern italy like southern italy it's like lazy people who are not industrious and it's poor and then northern italy is like where the industry is blah 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 and one of the arguments that this person was saying to me was that like well in the south of italy you had like for over a thousand years you had like southern italy ruled by like these essentially from afar from like these various like papal states and then from like other european nations or from the king of sardinia you know which is like an island off 
not even, it's not even on Italy. And so that, that people develop a kind of, and, um, a, uh, what's the word? Like a, like a fighting relationship with the state and with the government, because they're seen as like not rulers of their own domain, but, but subjects to like, uh, uh, and to a rule that they don't, um, a ruler that they don't, uh, abide by god i'm, I'm kind of losing my language here and yeah. minute you know 50 but um so essentially that this breeds a culture of not respecting the rules and not respecting laws because your laws come from like a foreign land and from a foreign dictator and that that accounts for like the reasons the cu cultural differences between northern and southern italy um anyways i just thought it was interesting um because like it is it is buying into this cultural argumentation but it is it does there is like a material explanation within that uh cultural argumentation which is like well you know you wouldn't want to respect rules if you come from like a thousand year history of like being like a subjects to like a foreign foreign power yeah i mean i don't i that's sort of where the like the, the limits of my knowledge. That's the limit of my knowledge because like, well, how does how does the beginning of like American, you know, democratic institutions, like how does that compare to like in Argentina, the same like European colonists coming over? Like all things, all other things being equal, you having. English colonists going to America and Spanish colonists going to South America. What is the difference between the way that the institutions are built up that like lead to this eventual outcome? Yeah. I don't know what the answer is. Well, there's probably a lot of things. I always right. just mention that thing about Italy though, because there's a lot of Italians in Argentina. Which is why maybe they don't follow the rules, you know? Bro, there's a lot of Italians in Staten Island. <laughs> Dude, Italians in New York, they love the cops. Talk they do. They farmers. love cops. They love rules. Have we ever had an Italian president? No, I don't think so. We gotta New York's get had one plenty soon. of Italian mayors, right? LaGuardia. Yeah, LaGuardia. <laughs> <laughs> Who else? <laughs> de Blasio. Oh yeah, De Blasio. De Blasio. De Blasio. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I find it interesting though. Argentina so is say, really concerned about this. People don't follow. Yeah. Rules. You know, yeah. Yeah. What? They, or it seems like there's a a thing in Argentina where like people are are always like kind of prognosticating. I guess it's true in America, but they're always prognosticating on like the state of like why their country is so messed up. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And I try to kind of come be like, well, you know, there's this sort of like global order, global economic order, and you know, the first world explodes the third world, and you've fallen into the third world. But then my friend's like, well, why did we? And he's like, and other countries in South America are doing better than us. So why is that? And I'm like, I have no clue. Because of guns, germs, and steel. <laughs> He's like, why does Australia, why is Australia 
in the first world, that being, you know, another continent, colony, not attached to the European mainland, but Argentina isn't. I don't know. Yeah. He got me. He got my ass. Bro, you got to fucking hit your Wikipedia pages before <laughs> you have these conversations. Is it you know literally because I mean? they speak English? Yeah. I also think the American, like, the American colonial context, you essentially had, like, <clears throat> once the Monroe Doctrine started in America, was like, we're going to, we now call dibs on an, all of South America, you know? And right. no other no other countries can, like, colonize um, the Americas. Then essentially you have, they had, like, another colonial power. Right influencing them you know i guess the two questions are like where was the fork in the road where why couldn't why didn't i guess argentina or south america win in that whatever that is right i i don't know again it seems like a land thing i look at i look at north america i'm like u.s just got like way more way more land mm -hmm. but then it was maybe happenstance i don't know I'm sure there's smart people who have a way better explanation for this than we are trying to kind of parse out. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, too. I'm sure, too. It's also, like, another thing that's interesting. We'll just keep talking about it. <laughs> Neither of us knowing, but theorizing. Yeah. But, like, <clears throat> I don't know exactly what Argentina's, like, colonial history is, but, like, when like a lot of waves of like Europeans came and actually started to live in Argentina, but <clears throat> a lot of countries in Latin America and in like the global third world that like suffered from colonialism, essentially under colonial rule had these like hacienda systems where essentially like a tiny, tiny minority of people of the ruling class owned like all of the land and then everyone else was essentially like either slaves or sort of serfs working the land for a small ruling elite which is similar to the economic setup of the american south right in the most of the 19th century but the american north was like different it had a whole different like economic structure like the land was more equally distributed uh, the rich people were rich people that like lived in cities and were merchants rather than like massive landowners. So <clears throat> this different kind of economic structure breeds a different kind of politics. And once these colonies become, uh, they shirk their European, you know, uh, colonial rulers, they often don't do things like land reform, which are like much needed uh, in the birth of a country to sort of right the wrongs of, of, of colonial history. And it creates, it, it creates all these problems. If you have like 2% of the population, like owning all of the land. Um, That's good. I like that. I like that explanation. Yeah. <laughs> That okay, lines good. up with a little bit that I know about Argentine history in the <laughs> in the 19th century. Good, good. Okay. <laughs> now I got to tell my friends that. Yeah. 
I gotta, tra- I gotta, you're gonna have to write that up so I can translate it into Spanish. <laughs> okay, cool. I can translate it myself. I'm, well, I'm actually <laughs> learning about land reform on Babel right now. <sighs> yeah, that could be. That could be. I mean, you know, the putting aside the, um, you know, my, my, my lack of, uh, of knowledge about the kind of historical and economic particulars, I am really fascinated by the, by like at the cultural level. I guess I'm just repeating myself, but just that Argentinians like are both like so mad at how everyone else is not following and how they're not following. And they're like, and I don't follow the rules either. That's what they say. It's like, you're encouraged to not follow. No one's following them. And every like social interaction is, is evidence of, of this like lawlessness. Mm. Yeah. It's everyone's kind of playing chicken where they're like, well, you follow the rules. Yeah, but I'll follow the rules when you start following the rules. Yeah, you know? and then they're like, no one's following the rules, and that's why we are where we are. Um, when you get to this, is so stupid. I'm 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 uh, I'm trafficking in a little bit of this uh, Argentine pseudoscience, but like in Buenos Aires, anytime you get to like a cross street, basically where two two streets cross each other, there's no stop signs. There's no like red stop sign, and there's no uh, traffic light. Sometimes some have traffic lights, but in most of the city, they don't. And the way that, and in theory, the person on the right has the right of way. But in practice, the way it works is you just get to the cross, like the the cross street, and you kind of look at the other car and you see who's like coming in the most. And then that person gets. So you literally play chicken with, like, there's no rule. It's just whoever like goes in the most. And if there's two lines of cars, like one on, on one street and then perpendicular, one going on the other it's just kind of like just kind of like random who gets to go and who doesn't go and does it create a system that's like <clears throat> more efficient or does it work better because you're describing it, it's like it's not lawless like there are essentially rules but they're like a kind of unwritten rule yeah well that's what i was arguing with my friend <clears throat> my friend he's like uh, a real like all of, he's all he's all like about this rule thing He's like, the, the rule should be that the right person has the right of way. And now you have both a formal rule, which is the person on the right has the right of way, and an informal rule, which is like, whoever goes, goes. He's like, and that's a problem. And I'm like, no, 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 it's the informal rule is the rule. That's how it works. There is like a set of rules. It's just understood by everyone who lives here. But he doesn't like that. So I, I don't know what the answer is. I do think there is a problem when you have two different sets of rules. If, if, yeah. you know, if people don't know which one to follow. Yes, rule. What right? That maybe that's why people aren't following the rules because there's two of them. Right. Yeah, yeah. Huh. That's class. Everyone on the the person on the right always gets it. So like, if if it's like a circle or if it's a crossroads between two roads, you just go in a circle each person, and there's a line on either side. In theory. Yeah. Huh. Let me ask you this though. You get in America, in America, you get to a cross street. There's there's stop signs on both. No, there isn't, right? There's usually a, a street that's like no stop sign, and then there's a street that has stop sign, right? No, the, there can be <clears throat> there can be two stop signs. So then let's say there's a, there's a line of cars on one and a line of cars on the other. How does that... They take turns. They take, take turns, turns because it's the person who arrived at the stop sign first 
who then gets to go. Right. You take turns. You take turns. So it's essentially it's essentially a similar. It's not similar rule. because here it's like if you're in a hurry and you just drive real close to the car in front of you, you can you can skip a turn. You can just be like, I'm gonna go now too. And then the other car's like, no, 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 you don't, motherfucker. And then you just push, push, push until you're like, now I'm going. Yes, that's interesting. See, but what's stressful about that rule system is that it, it kind of, um, you have to do this social interaction every time. Whereas in America, you don't have to think about negotiating anything with the other car. You just like, oh, they got there first, I go. You got there first, you go. Like, there isn't. It makes it makes everything more stressful, I guess, is because you're essentially you have to like negotiate a social interaction. Totally. Nope. Everyone here is like you gotta look at the other car in the eyes to make sure they saw you. Because otherwise you're gonna at its headlights or at the at the person in the car. You have to look right into the headlights like a deer (laughs) and get scared. (laughs) (laughs) Like lightning McQueen, its eyes blink. (laughs) Oh my god. Don't even talk to me about lightning McQueen. I love that guy. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've seen cars like get so up close to each other, like not go down and like uh, not relent in the game of chicken and almost touch each other. Wow. Exciting. <laughs> <laughs> How exciting to see two cars almost touch. <laughs> yeah, that's that is freaky. Huh. I would, I would, exp- I would let the other person go ahead because I'm like, I wouldn't want to be in a rush, you know. I think, and it's nice. I think you get, you feel better when you're nice on the road. Conversely, though, I went to this soccer game and I was talking to my friend who was always like a soccer fan, and like, um, here they have kind of like they're called barras bravas. It's like uh, the hooligans. I guess they're sort of like the fan, the, the fan club for a team is almost like a political organization like yeah. as a president and like and they have like business deals with the teams i'm saying shit that like a lot of i guess people know but um but we we went to a game and it was like really fun to watch the, the barra like they were like playing music and cheering and i was like oh there's like a clear upside for the team like the team wants these they're basically like a, like a hype squad. There's no there's no cheerleaders. There's no, like it's them in the stands, and but there was only the home team's <clears throat> fan club. And I was like, what about the other team? What about the visiting team? Isn't there a fan club here? And my friend was like, ten years ago they made it illegal for visiting for visiting audience. Like, if you don't belong to the club. You can't go to the game. And the reason why is because there were a lot of murders. It was like a ton of violence and people were dying because the two like fan clubs for each team would fight. Wow. They'd fight after the game or before? They would fight before. They would fight after. Yeah. He was like a game would happen. A team would win. And then the fan club would be driving back to their city. And then they would be like ambushed. Like they would be ambushed on the highway by the others and like. Oh my god. And so now you only have the one fan club cheering for the home team and you don't have the other one which would have been cool to see to see both of them. Wow. Um, but we were talking about it and I was like, you know, I was like it's kind of beautiful that like people get so moved by the sport here. Um I'm like I I don't I can't think of anything in my life that's like that where I'm so moved by the victory of a team. 
I like that. And he was like, no, it's bad. Not good. To him, it was like evidence of the like wow. libidinal lack of control in the country. And wow. I was like, I was like, to get the passion, you need the violence is an outgrowth of the passion, but the passion is a nice thing. Can you like, imagine? I come home. I'm coming home from Life World after seeing the Home Planet sketch show, <laughs> and <laughs> and a bunch of Home Planet fans <laughs> like waylay me on the side of the road and like slit slit my ankles. Bro, it would mean the show was lit. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's crazy. Do they do they vote? Like, are the are the fans of those fan clubs? Are they like a political body in the sense that they have like they vote in elections and stuff like that? Apparently, when like if you're a political party, for instance, and you want to create like a, you want to do like a political action and you want to bring people out, you like sometimes politicians will like pay the fan club to come out, basically to like fill out the crowd. So wow. They, they have kind of like mafia ish. They have this sort of like mafia like function. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder if that could happen in America where people could like organize politically around like sports teams because cause there's no like there's like there isn't class consciousness or class like uh labor organization the way there there used to be. But like it would be funny if people organized around political teams. I mean sorry, around sports teams, and that could be a way to like mobilize people and do mass movements in the united states i think one reason they don't is that teams in america are like city and state based whereas here you have a lot of teams in the same city and so it's like a little it's like neighborhood based and so interaction is easier it's easier to go from one club to the other and to like live in huh. proximity to the fans of your team huh like imagine you were in like California, like you're not gonna see the Patriots fan club. They're not. How often are they gonna come? Yeah, there's no, there's no opportunity to kill them. Right. In a massive battle, it's also in America. You have so many more sport, like teams. Like Boston alone has like six or seven different teams. It would right. be kind of hard to organize. People, they'd have to pick a sport to organize around because, right. like. At any given moment, you're watching six or seven of your favorite teams play <laughs> on television. You got the whole you got the whole entertainment setup, five yeah. screens, yeah, <laughs> air hockey table, nachos. <clears throat> well, it's ten thirty, my man. Sorry if I talk too quickly and too much, Sam. No, it's great. I'm the slow talker, so it's perfect. It's we're the perfect balance for each other. Well, I, I also apologize to the listener. I was like, I'm talking too quickly. I'm no, too excited. No, 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 it's okay. You're too excited. We talk about the things we don't know about Argentinian history. <laughs> if you yeah. know about Argentinian history, hit me up, and, and then we'll interview yeah. you. Tell Felipe how to argue with his friends. Um, all right, man. Well, this was fun. And I feel like there's other shit I wanted to ask you. You wanted to talk about vaccines. Nah. No, that's not what I wanted <laughs> you wanted to talk about. about autism and vaccines. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. I have the text to prove it. <laughs> uh, no, no, no.
Uh, well, we can do that next time. Yeah, let's talk about that next time. All right, everybody. See ya. Bye.